Hey, I'm Raina. And I'm Pete. And you're listening. And you're listening to the Unbusy Podcast. It's the show for self-employed people who want more time. Who want to be time rich. Who want to do meaningful work and be productive. While letting the busy go. Who want to enjoy their work days. And sometimes just go skiing on Wednesday afternoons. Or just take Fridays off. Self-employed people who want to spend their time where it matters. This is the Unbusy Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Unbusy Podcast. Uh, this is Raina Willick. I am here with Pete McPherson, my fearless co-host. Hello, everybody listening. And we have a guest today, um, and I am so excited to introduce her because um, she and I are coaching colleagues. She does amazing work as a coach, and we connected during uh, the time that we were both becoming certified as CPCCs. <laughs> Certified professional coactive coaches. It's like, it feels like such a mouthful. So I'm actually, I want to welcome May to the podcast and I'm going to turn it over to her to introduce herself because she'll be able to do it so much better than I will. I don't think I can do her justice. May, hello, welcome. Hello, Raina and Pete. It's so fantastic to be on the show with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually dialing in from Sydney this morning um, and I think of myself as a bit of a global citizen dividing my time between Sydney and San Francisco. And, uh, you know, when introducing myself can be increasingly complex as my (laughs) passions and interests take me in different directions. But I predominantly think of myself these days as working as a professional coach, um, an advisor, a venture partner, and also as a trainer and facilitator. And the thing that makes me come most alive is really leadership development both in a professional context as well as personal leadership development. And my you know, real passion is working with people that are usually birthing their own companies, so founders of startups or people who are supporting um, founders in different capacities, either as investors or making the professional pivot into wanting to own their own companies. And it's something that I can personally relate to having started my own coaching practice a couple of years ago, Coaching by May. Yes. Yay. So part of why I wanted to have May on the podcast, she and I have had lots of conversations around managing our own time and schedules and what we say yes to, what we say no to. And I have seen May say no to some things that people would probably from the outside think was a little crazy because they are traditionally successful things. Um, But she has really strong reasons that are well thought out for how she chooses, how she spends her time and her energy. And I'm looking for another word and don't have one. So she mentioned to start with, yeah, she actually doesn't like, you know, we, we introduced people that are coming onto the podcast as we want to talk about how to use time intentionally as a self-employed person. And May told us she actually doesn't love the word time, which made us really curious. So, hey, <laughs> what what would you say instead of time? What's a better description for that? Thanks for raising this point. I'm really passionate about the idea that time is the wrong construct to be focusing on because it's always going to be finite, right? We're, we're running against the clock and it's a kind of impossible battle. We can sit here and think about how to divide the pie more equally. I also am not a fan of work-life balance, that term, because it, again, 
posits like <laughs> two things as in contradiction with each other. So then the question is, what do I like? What do I, um, I love the word energy. I think it does so much more justice to what we're really trying to get to when we think about managing our time. We're trying to really think about how do I optimize for energy and fulfillment and being present. I think part of what really is important to me is thinking about how do we utilize the power of now being present in any one moment. And then how do we create structures in our day, week, month, year and relationships that enable that and enable us to follow our energy. And, you know, this is not my um, concept. You know, I've been lucky to have my own coaches push me on this, but um, Rain, I, I know that you recently did the training for designing your life, but one of the concepts I love from Bill Burnett and Dave Evans is this idea of an energy and engagement audit quite literally sitting down and thinking about what are the pieces of my day or my week that really give me energy and what does that tell me about what I should be doing more of and less of what and what drains my energy how can I limit that delegate it or put it at times of day where I'm perhaps um, not as focused and I need to kind of preserve my energy so I've started to really think about my own management as managing energy Um, And this is something that I offer to clients as well. Now, to touch on additional concept that's recently blown my mind is this idea that it's not just managing energy singular, it's energy as plural, because there's different types of energy. So one of the best TED Talks I've seen is this idea of managing the seven types of energy. And it's framed as the seven types of rest that we all need. So I think You know, if I think of myself as a a machine that needs to get charged every now and then, I need to charge myself not only in terms of my physical batteries, like the obvious sleep, rest, you know, food, nourishment, but also emotional energy, mental energy, um, sensory energy, spiritual energy, creative energy, and the various types of energy. So being conscious of where we are with these different types of energy, am I in the green, yellow, red? If I'm in the red, am I in the red multiple weeks in a row? And if so, what is that telling me about maybe where I'm um, spending my activities and, and resources? Question. Let me let me jump in here. Uh, actually, I have two questions. I had a perfect question in mind, but then you you mentioned the colors, green, yellow, and red, and I totally lost my, my previous thought because I wanted to hear about that. <laughs> so is this like a... Well, oh, okay. I remember my original question. My original question was going to be, in your own life, what are some revelations you've had or what are some practices you do to kind Mm of, one, identify what's taking – where your energy is going and how and how it's making you feel and that balancing act? And then, two, what do you do do because of that? What are some practices to – I was going to say make – energy better i know that's the wrong term but i, th- I think you guys understand <laughs> to, what i'm getting re- at. no definitely to re- perhaps to recharge um recharge is, you know yeah how to, to recharge is a really great question so w- in terms of the first piece how do i notice um where I, and my energy goes so it's not just a theoretical concept one of the, the things that's kind of a low-hanging fruit is when i w- wake up in the morning and i look at my calendar And if I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what a day. I'm really not looking forward to this day. Can I hit that snooze button again? If, assuming I've had a good night's sleep and there's no other, like, crazy variable going on, it's usually an indication of how I'm feeling towards the things on my calendar. 
And rather than hating life that day, I'm like, oh, amazing data point. Let me write that down. What are the things that is draining? Oh, I've got, a, you know, five coaching sessions, but they're disparate throughout the day. So I don't really have a chunk of time to maybe go for a run or have some downtime. Or perhaps it's that, oh, I've, silly, silly me, I've committed to three facilitations that are all high energy, high engagement in a row or whatever it is, I I start to get curious. What is it that's not exciting about my day? What is it that's draining? Likewise, I have these moments where the time just flies. Four hours passes, five hours passes. I haven't eaten. I haven't moved. You're in real flow. Stepping back and going back to my, you know, reflective journal. All right. What was it that I was doing that captured my attention and made me so engaged? And those days where you put your head on the pillow at the end of the night and think this was a freaking amazing day. What was it that made it amazing? (laughs) Noting those down. No one can see this. I just got whacked in the head by a different microphone. Not the one I'm talking in to record this podcast, (laughs) but another stupid (laughs) microphone, just a foot from my head. And I just whacked myself in like the the head. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, Pete, I just thought you were gobsmacked by this <laughs> idea of being fascinated <laughs> by what you were doing um, throughout the day. Away. Energy blown away. So, yeah. long story short, is that paying attention in the moment, in real time, when something captures my energy or where I feel that elation after a talk. I started to notice this when I was working in venture capital. I'd have this ridiculous high for about four or five hours after speaking with women founders. It would be, you know, these small events sitting on a panel or engaging with them. And I just couldn't go to bed. I thought, what's the commonality here? It's, well, I love connection and engaging. It's not a, a, you know, a coincidence that one of my core values is connection and being able to really go deep with people. So part of it is noticing your energy. And then on a weekly basis, what I do on a Monday morning is start my week with a reflective practice where I go back to my core values and ask myself, how did that honor them in the week previously? And how do I want to honor them in the week that's coming? Knowing that when I honor my values, that's where I get my most energy. And that's where I feel feel my most fulfillment. On a business level, I do a quarterly audit every kind of end of each quarter where I zoom out and I, you know, look at the bottom line, the financials and whatnot, but I also look at what are the things that I did that pushed myself outside my comfort zone? What did I notice about, for example, those collaborations or those clients? And ultimately, what do I want to do less of? Is it, it's, we always asking ourselves, what can I do more of? But I always ask myself, what can I do less of? Because less is more. And it's ultimately about the quality of the experience that I want to go back to. So Pete, there's a couple of the practices that I'm in, yeah. uh, engaged in at the moment. I'll just tack on one thing to the end of that. It's actually something that happened today, and I know Raina wants to uh, get to the next question. So I I was on a call with somebody. Technically, it could have been a coaching call. I, unlike my other two guests on this podcast, am not actually a coach, but it was more of a consulting call. And I got to asking this person, the first thing I asked them about their, they have a business, and we were talking about it. I asked about the financial question. Like, do you need to make money to put food on the table ASAP? Like, how desperate are you? Just give me, just be real with me. And she's like, not at all. Like, it's totally cool. Like, of course, I'm in this to make money, to generate revenue and help people and yada, yada. But, like, I'm not super stressed about that. It's not like a must-have. I can take my time. I can do all these things. And then we started talking about energy and what tasks drain energy, what tasks give energy in her business. And 
she said something like, this was my plan, but I don't want to do this. These tasks don't make any sense to me and they drain me. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not excited about it and any of the things. And uh, this is not like Pete being a genius, but I, I literally just said like, why don't you don't do those things? And it's like a light bulb <laughs> went off in her head. I know she had thought about not doing those things that she didn't want to do, yeah. but it's almost as if she needed somebody else to kind of give her permission to put, mm. to take things off the calendar, to take things off the the to-do list. She didn't want to do it. She just kind of like, oh, it's okay that I can let these things go, that I can say no to these things. Um, that was that literally happened like four hours ago for me, which is really interesting. Okay, sorry, I love that. Yet. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was right where I was going to go next, which was actually thinking about. Segway. Yes, perfect segue. So, you know, the saying no to those energy drainers and what you said about how can I do less? I love that question because it really does feel like we're always looking for ways like that's that feels like it's always the goal. And I think that idea of how can I do less and have a richer experience with the things yeah. that remain is the whole reason Pete and I wanted to make this podcast. Sometimes, though, and like those no's do have some sort of consequences, right? Doing less, you know, yeah. And so how do you navigate that? Really hard question. And I I don't want to pretend that I figured it all out. So (laughs) I, um, I still have to pep talk myself when I'm about to say no to something. I'm like, will future may regret this. And you, uh, up until now, future may has not regretted the nose. So, you know, one of my biggest inner critics is my people pleaser. I love delighting others, but as as in its extreme form, it's the fear of disappointing others. I yeah. hate saying no. I get validation having grown up from pleasing, from not disappointing, from being what's expected. And I, I quickly realized when I was, you know, starting my own business a few years ago, that was just not going to serve me because people want and I, I think the quote that um, I refer to here is around, you know, if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will, <laughs> uh, Greg yeah. McCown. And it's that I can be readily available to everyone and under the guise of, well, I'm serving and others need me and that this is a good thing that I'm doing. And quickly realize that as a limited resource, I was um, at you know, at my best, I was just physically exhausted, emotionally, mentally exhausted. So my energy was in the red, but on a worse level, you start to build resentment to the Mm -hmm. very people that you're serving and the very people that actually bring you joy when you let yourself be connected. So one of the things that I've gone back to is in order to keep my mission core to what I do, which is to be able to serve and impact individuals' lives, I actually need to know what potentially jeopardizes that, which is not having my own boundaries. And so when I'm saying no, whether it's no to a CEO role that looks very sexy on the outside as an indicator of success in your career, or saying no to frankly, even like right now, I'm a bit of a digital nomad. I kind of live everywhere and nowhere. I don't really have a base and that might be seen as unstable or not successful Um, you know, there are other things that I say no to. I've actually started creating a no list and I have it in front of me now where the fear of saying no was so hard that I've learned to reframe it as a celebration. I am tackling my people pleaser every week. I've collected the no's and it's not by the way, the no's that others are giving me where they're saying, may I don't want you as a coach or no, thank you for your service. It's 
me proactively choosing to say no and celebrating that. And over the last month, I've collected about four of them, whether it was saying no to a corporate gig that felt like it was a conflict of interest to saying no to potential clients where I didn't feel the energy. I didn't feel like I would best be able to serve them. Um, And to saying no to opportunities for collaboration or for travel or for a keynote, celebrating the outcome of saying no has been really important. And the way that I've reframed it for myself is the counterfactual is had I said yes, perhaps yes, I would have more revenue coming in in certain ways, but the energy that that would drain in, in having to show up for something that didn't feel fully aligned is actually a bigger financial cost usually because you're unable to say yes to other things that would feel more right. And so white space now for me, you know, if I suddenly have an opening because I've had to say no, always I've found the universe finds a way to bring the right thing. It's like I needed that rest or last minute a collaboration opportunity comes in where had I said yes to the wrong thing, I wouldn't be able to say yes to this. And there's a bit more of a structured spontaneity and experimentation that can happen as a result of saying no by quite literally having more white space. Yeah. I, Oh, I saw it. I, I saw a smile on Pete's face when May said something a minute ago. So I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm uh, gi- giving an opening here. No. Yeah. Well, I loved all that. I, I was like, I was not, no one could see me right now, but I was like, not mad. What, is the, what are those gifts uh, that are like preach? There's one with Christina. Aguilera, you know what I mean? She's like, she's like, oh, I'm, it. I'm um, completely, I, ina- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're opening me up and now you got to jump in. I no. did. Well, I thought you were saying no. Go ahead. I got to update my, my no list for the unbusy podcast. This is <laughs> That was a joke. Not a very funny one. I'm sorry, Renee. Go ahead. I really don't have anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So the no list, that's where I was going with that too. This no list. Okay. This is the first time I have heard this. Where, like, where did you get this idea? Well, Raina, you've been partly an inspiration here, which is like having Ooh. colleagues in my network <laughs> and in my relationships who push me to say no. So whether it's May, you should start a waiting list, or May, why don't you reframe what you're gaining by saying no? It's you know, it's a conversation that start, has started in my mind and in my reality. I love systems and structures to support me. So like consistency over intensity kind of just have these structures, look back on them. It's really great for the reflective piece too. Weekly, I can go back to these lists or quarterly, annually. But I started to, you know, realize that we keep lists of successes. Um, And I think there's some coaches out there, like, you know, in the Prosperous Coach, they say keep a no list, but in the inverse, which is when people say no to you, you know, yes lives in the land of um, no. But I I started to think, what if I'm keeping a no list of the things that I'm proactively choosing to do? And uh, the way that I like to reframe it for myself is if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Mm -hmm. So by keeping a no list, I'm actually celebrating the hell yes. And it it might sound trite as a term, but I I make a real intentional effort. The first time I'm engaging with anyone, a potential client, a potential collaborator, just to say, Let's give ourselves permission that if this is not a hell yes, it's a no. That's the biggest gift we can give ourselves. And therefore, the pressure on both sides is eased. And it's really about, is there authentic connection here? Now, I use the words authentic connection very intentionally because authenticity and connection are two of my core values. So for me, it's a real prerequisite to being able to say hell yes. Yeah. 
I, I've heard that term. There's no hell maybes recently. And I liked that too, because it's like, you know, people are like, well, it's not hell. Yes, but it's not exactly a no. Then it's a hell maybe, which becomes a hell no. (laughs) For those that don't know, that came from Derek Sivers who has, there's a, there's a blog post that was published years and years ago, but he actually wrote a book um, Mm -hmm. fairly recently, like a year or two back, I think uh, that people can go check it out at Sivers.org. I think it's really good. Amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so I, I love this idea of you're saying no really to make room for a yes. Like you're protecting future yeses that are going to be exactly. better fits um, by saying the no now. And so how do you, how have you made peace with saying no to things? You kind of touched on it a few minutes ago, but that other people perceive as successful. Um, and you're saying no. Like, how have you made peace with that? Because that's a hard one, I think, sometimes. It, it is hard. And I think a lot of it starts with just self-compassion, recognizing that even though you said no, that it doesn't mean that there'll be parts of you that wonders what, <laughs> what happens had I said yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I think one of the, the healthy things is just to name that. So I, I will write that and reflect on it if I'm wondering. Um, don't bottle up the wonder, uh, mm. be able to express it. Sometimes it just needs a voice. I think part of it is also keeping my eye on comparing comparing myself to myself and not to others. Like I think the moment we start to compare to others, we lose the spirit of, of one, what's actually important, which is staying in tune with our inner compass, not other people's compasses. But two, I find comparison of what others expect me to do you know, I, I've, I want to say I've been there, done that. I spent the first couple of decades of my life subconsciously ticking all the boxes that were expected of me. I didn't realize I was intentionally <laughs> pleasing or doing that. And, I, you know, I've been at the point where you tick all the boxes and you realize that actually didn't bring the promised all-encompassing fulfillment, joy, success. Like, actually, the outcome wasn't what I th- was told it was going to be. The promise is what a lie. I was told it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, what now? Like what's the next mountain? And the realization that with every mountain that was climbed, like actually the feeling felt the same. And wh- wh- how am I going to get this feeling then if it's not through ticking these boxes? And it was probably about 10 years ago when I decided to leave law at the time, corporate law and follow this energy and excitement I had for entrepreneurship and innovation, taking me to the US, where I think what happens is with every no of whether it was a no on a small level to a relationship or at a systems level to um, the expectation of climbing a particular profession or something, you know, particular expectations around your race or religion or sexuality or whatever it was, being able to say no and pivot to what felt more towards my, you know, where my energy was taking me made each subsequent pivot or no easier. It's like muscle memory. Yeah. Um, it was like, yeah. you know, jumping on a, um, the gymnastics beam with every jump, your muscles become stronger. So the next jump isn't as hard. And so when I, for example, yeah. left policy and went over to the West coast of the U S um, and said no to working in um government tech policy, working in entrepreneurship instead, 
um, not being on the East Coast, being on the West Coast, that felt so small in comparison to leaving law in Australia and a relationship at the time moving. So that's something that I've just learned. Like every no makes you stronger. And I re- genuinely believe when I look back and I love the book um, Power of Regret by um, Dan Pink that's recently come out. It is one of the books where it, it talks about we often regret not what we did but what we didn't do. And I know that I will regret the things I didn't do because I felt that I wasn't allowed to. Often it's the assumption I make about not being allowed by others. But when I've given myself permission, I realize most people are there to support us and want us to be truly happy and fulfilled. And so part of it is my own prejudice and bias about what's allowed within the system I'm in, not actually whether people will allow you to do that. Yeah, it's that, it's amazing how many things we cut ourselves off from even considering before it gets to that point because of all of our built-in assumptions about what's allowed. Yeah, that's a super great point. I'm going to underline a May nugget. We had a May nugget. Oh, May I'm nugget. Not for this. <laughs> we, we have <laughs> nuggets. We named We've them. Had, we have nuggets on the show. We just had a May nugget. Um, uh, Pete, I was going to say, you're making me hungry at uh, 11 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> When she first off of the call before we started recording, I was actually – I was late getting here, and I haven't had dinner yet. And I grabbed the only thing I saw when I walked in the door, which was like an egg roll. And so I was like eating an egg roll in front of me, and now I'm talking about nuggets. Um, okay, so here, here's my main nugget. The first no is the hardest. And it was funny as you were saying that. I have mine. I can think of my first – well, not my first no, but my first – my first leap into fear and uncertainty. In my case, it was um, quitting my corporate job. <laughs> That's, right. You know, I think a lot of self-employed people can identify with that. Uh, but I was thinking of that. I was like, we can probably all think of our first, our first no in quotation marks, right? Like mm-hmm. one of those things. Like I quit my law job. I quit my ex job. Um, I, I I think it would be valuable for us all to remember that. So it makes all the other ones easy, mm-hmm. right? Um, the first note is the hardest. That's my main nugget. Yeah. It's, it's very true. And like, I think it's the case for most things in life. The first, anything is the hardest. And when you're building your own business, you're often doing all these things for the first time and remembering that that's probably the hardest it's going to be. And part of what is fun about doing something for the first time is there's no precedent for it. So you can lean into the experimentation and the play and the learning that comes with it. Um, and you can refine the skill of saying no. So I, you know, I don't want to oversimplify, but I've become better at knowing maybe what language to use when I'm saying no, or how quickly to do it, or whether to do it on the phone or on email, and like yeah. to have a friend or a colleague read it. Like, does this still sound authentically May, or does it sound like I'm trying to be someone else? Um, <laughs> that's what we, you know. Then you start focusing on the minutia of the no. Um, again, all of this so that we can create space for the things we actually want to say yes to. Yeah. You get fluent in no, it sounds like. Exactly. <laughs> fluent in no. <laughs> fluent I love that. No. Another Raina nugget. <laughs> yes. I got a nugget this this episode. <laughs> it's like, a, we're going to start season two. We're going to start a point system. No, I'm just kidding. That's, the, that's like the opposite of what we want to go for. And I'm busy. So as May, as we wrap up, thank you so much for sharing like all of these thoughts around energy management and the no's. Is there anything that you feel like is really important that you want to add here as we wrap up? 
Yeah, well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on the show. I could talk to you both for hours. <laughs> this is super fun. I think one of the zooming out, one of the things that I've really learnt um, both personally and professionally, especially building my own business, is the power of thinking of in seasons. You know, we, we go through seasons. And so even in terms of our energy around things, like nothing is forever and everything is data. And so paying attention to what season we're in allows us to show up for that particular season. Like the same umbrella is not going to serve me in winter and in summer. And so if I'm in the first year of my business versus the fifth year, or if I've, you know, Pete's point, like if it's the first no or the 50th no, it's going to feel and look and demand different things of me. And so one of the things that I've found to be really powerful and I want to kind of leave the audience with as well is leaning into the true definition of entrepreneurship. And I know entrepreneurship is a noun, but I like to think of it as a verb. And I've tried Google, like there's not really a verb for entrepreneurship, but the, the verb version is how we live our life and how we build our business. So the irony is that we're entrepreneurs, but often we don't think of how we're building our business entrepreneurially. And the biggest, the, the best fun and biggest fun we can have is to really experiment. So with everything, with who I want to serve, how I want to work, how I want to structure my time and energy, and you know what even is the end game here? Experiment, being entrepreneurial, trying things, being okay with getting it wrong, being okay with saying no, all in service of moving closer and closer towards a direction that's right for us. And I think actually with entrepreneurship, the goal should be directional clarity, not destinational clarity. We're often looking for that. What's that point on the map I want to get to? And I think the thing that we want to pay attention to is really like, am I moving in the right direction? Am I, is my energy serving me in the right direction? Am I nose serving me in the right direction? Cause it's hard, but is it the right kind of hard? And that's where I think truly being entrepreneurial, experimenting, giving ourselves permission is so core to not only building a business, it's probably the most obvious application, but also in how we think about living our lives. And that's something that I hope I can keep myself accountable to moving into the future as well. Yeah, totally. I love that what you said about like we sometimes we want to just go straight to a point on the GPS, but really it's more directional. When I, you mentioned I did the designing your life certification this weekend and they talk about it as wayfinding, meaning like you have a direction and you get to like the next stop and then you look around and you've got some more data and then you course correct and you go to the next stop and there's like, you know, you just make the whole trip that way. So yeah, I think we're, we're all doing that together. And thank you for being here to contribute to the collective wisdom around this as we all figure thank out you. that next step. Thank, thank you. It's, I, actually, you know, as you, you're using the metaphor of the stop, the wayfinding, it reminds me of you know, the zooming in and out or the, a, a metaphor that I love, which is like the balcony and dance floor. It's like, um, you know, you've got the, you're on the dance floor of your life and then you need to get on the balcony every now and then. And am I dancing the right dance and what can I tweak? And should I change the music or maybe go and partner with someone on the dance floor? And I see opportunities like this, like podcasts are actually a beautiful opportunity to get on the balcony together and take a look back at, and I think Pete just got hit in the head again. <laughs> no, I was just blown away by your dancing metaphor. Was, uh, he, he wants to get on the dance floor again. Um, yeah, so I, 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 went, uh, <laughs> I want to thank you both for creating opportunities like this 
particularly for solopreneurs and entrepreneurs to get on the balcony Mm -hmm. and share what we're learning about the dance of life and building the business together. I really cherish these opportunities. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Unbusy Podcast. You know, I never have found a better sign on this whole season. So I'll just say bye, y'all. Bye, (laughs) y'all. Bye, (laughs) y'all. Hey, Raina, why don't we serve advertisements or sponsors on this podcast? Mm, because we didn't want to do it? Oh, uh, yeah. But isn't there a way for our listeners to show that they enjoyed the Unbusy podcast? There is. There's actually two ways. Mm, go on. So first, they can head to our website, unbusypodcast.com, and buy us a coffee. There's a little button that'll let them donate any amount of money just to show some love and fuel our caffeine addiction. Oh, yeah. I love caffeine. All right, what else? They can also head to their podcast app of choice, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, yada, 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 and leave us an honest rating and review. I like that. That'll make us super happy to read. Oh, yep. Alrighty then. Thank you so much for listening to the Unbusy Podcast. We hope you took away some nuggets. Thanks for listening, y'all. Till next time. Bye, Bye, y'all.